0: Entrepreneur on Fire 745. What are you waiting for? Tickets to a rocket ship? Well, here you go. And hang on tight as John Lee
1: Dumas is about to take you on a wild ride. Ignite.
0: Selection, speed, and creativity are just a few of the benefits of having several designers work on your project. Start your next design project at 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Zero is the online accounting software for your small business. Born in the cloud, Zero gives you an at a glance view of your cash flow. Sign up for a free 30 day trial at zero.com slash podcast. That's Xero.com slash podcast. Light that spark fire nation. John Lee Dumas here and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Doug Goldstein. Doug, are you prepared to ignite? Three, two, one, blast off. (laughs) I love it. Doug is a strategic entrepreneur. He runs an international financial planning business and helps investors with their financial plans and portfolios. His newest book, co-authored with world chess champion and entrepreneur on fire alumni, Susan Polgar, is called Rich is a King. How the Wisdom of Chess Can Make You a Grandmaster of Investing. Doug, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight. So take a minute and share a little bit about you personally and then expound upon the biz.
1: I am married for 22 years to a wonderful wife and business partner. And together we have four children who are also wonderful. And my day job is uh, with my wife. We run an international financial planning and investment company. And actually, I got involved in Wall Street originally when I was partners with my mother, who was a vice president at a company that was then called Dean Witter. Now you may know it as Morgan Stanley. Yeah. And my mother's mother, in fact, my grandmother, was one of the first women to be licensed as a stockbroker in America. So I've been in the in the Wall Street mode for a long, long time.
0: Wow. Well. We've actually had some really cool dealings in the past bunch of months, and I've been looking forward to this interview because of that specific word, strategic, and the strategic entrepreneur specifically, because that's one thing, Doug, that a lot of entrepreneurs really aren't keyed up on, that they don't lay down that strategy, they don't have that vision that they execute upon. So that's kind of one thing I'm really looking forward, personally, to talk about with you today. But before we dive into all that jazz, we always start with a success quote. So take that away, Doug and share how you apply that to your life.
1: Well, the quote actually comes from my good friend and, as you said, Fire Nation alumni and co-author Susan Polgar. Susan's a, a world chess champion, and one of the things she says to all of her students, and you hear it come up a lot, she says, "'Win with grace, lose with dignity.'" And I gotta tell you, John, I think of this quote probably every day, and it's really got the two halves, "'Win with grace and lose with dignity.'" When you win, when, when you are winning with grace, you're able to take the emotions out of the business decisions, you know, because some people might say, just be cool. And I think that that's very important. But the concept of grace is really about thinking of the people around you, whether it's your teammates or your competitors, and really realizing what it is that made you so great. You know, it's great when people celebrate achievements. They have a big office party. We sold a million dollars or we did something great. But you know you've got to think about there are people around who work much harder than you do. They work longer hours, they have worse conditions. And what is it that made you succeed? And I think that when people realize that winning with grace, it really teaches them about being humble and being a person of character. And that's that's the type of person that I certainly want to be.
0: No, absolutely. I think entrepreneurs across the board can learn from this and one thing when i was growing up my uncle always said was be humble be happy and it was something that's you know i always kind of clung on to with everything that i would do no matter how successful i would be or unsuccessful i would be you know i would always try to remain with that humility and you know that's just it was kind of a nice little quick phrase that that i've always hung on to hung on to when i really do love that win with grace lose with dignity And Doug, as you know, being an entrepreneur and FIRE listener, we are all about the stories. And today, your story is going to be on display for FIRE Nation. And we always start with a struggle, with an obstacle, with a failure that you've encountered at some point in your entrepreneurial journey. So Doug, take us to that moment in time. Tell us the story of a time that you, Doug Goldstein, failed or faced an obstacle or a challenge. And then let's really analyze the lessons that we can learn from this.
1: You know when you start telling that or asking that question, John, it sounds like we're going back in time and you know how like on TV <laughs> shows they used to make the picture all wavy. so I, I'm gonna take you back a long time to when I was fifteen years old and I started my my first company at the time, I was a piano player. I had this uh, this cool gig that I did as a jazz pianist and it was great because I earned a lot of money and uh, in fact, this was a long time ago, we're talking 30 years ago, and I was making $25 an hour, which was huge. Huge. It's huge today. It was yeah. huge for a 15-year-old. And one of the things I realized, though, is I would get these gigs and you know play at a dinner party or something. And I saw that the people coordinating the parties needed something more. They needed other entertainers. And I knew a lot of guys. I, I mean, I guess I like, hung out with kind of strange friends, but I had friends who were clowns and mimes and magicians. And I knew guys who were bartenders and photographers because I'd meet them at the parties and you know we'd we'd network a little bit. So I opened an agency at 15 years old called Entertainment Enterprises of New York. So that was the success except I was getting a little too big for my breeches and I was in 10th grade and one of the problems I had was I didn't have a car and of course even if I did I was too young to drive. But luckily there was another entrepreneur 2 years older than me, a 12th grader, and he had a car. So, we used to talk about business and one day he said, you know, why don't we partner up? So, I said, great. You know, what do you do? And he said, well, I have a computer parts company. And I said, okay, I have an entertainment agency. And then he said, I'll have my lawyer write something up. And I thought this was so cool, (laughs) a lawyer writing up a contract. And so, he wrote up a contract and I signed it and I didn't really discuss it with anyone. And like a month later, I showed it to my father and he read it. Not a lawyer, but uh, it was okay, a bright guy. And he read it and he began to explain to me that I had signed away my own company and I wanted to get it back. And this was a small money failure, but it cost me a lot of money then. It cost me $50 to buy myself out of the contract. <laughs> and, but it was a real failure. And I learned a lot out of that failure, which I, I think is critical. No,
0: it's absolutely critical. But at the same stage, because it was on that smaller level on the overarching scale, you have to really kind of wonder, what did this save me from in the future? Because you've obviously had many experiences where contracts have been involved since then. And I'm sure that you've always read, reread, and even went between the dotted lines a few times to make sure that what you were signing, what you were actually agreeing to was something that you wanted to actually be a part of, and that was beneficial for both sides, not just one side or the other. So let's kind of talk about this for a second, Doug. I mean, what can we share with entrepreneurs, our listeners, Fire Nation today about just the overarching mentality about the the just really what we should be doing when we approach contracts in general when it's coming from some place of our passion, our business, and our potential future.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you my secret, and I hope that anyone who is listening to this is not going to do a deal with me in the future. Because Fire Nation, like, shh. Yeah, okay, <laughs> How, just between us. But first of all, you have to obviously have a lawyer. Never, ever, don't negotiate the deals yourself. Don't get into the deals yourself. Set it up, right? You know, just like in basketball, you just set it up, and then you let your, do- your lawyer do the slam dunk. And the second thing you have to do is, you, this is the secret, is you have to write the contract. A lot of times people say, think it's a big deal to write a contract, but if you write the contract, it's all yours. You've decided what it says. And then normally the other side has to start negotiating with you. So in many deals that I've done, I've spoken to people and then we discuss it and we shake hands and then I say, let me just have someone write that up for us. And they're so grateful to me that I'm going to take the expense upon myself and all the work, but really that way I can define the relationship exactly how I want it on my terms and I think that that's critical for any business person.
0: No, I love that. You, Fire Nation, have to write the contract. Believe me, it is worth its weight and time in gold to do something like this. And Doug, that's just a great lesson for entrepreneurs as they're going forward in any venture, what they're, what they're doing with you know, business, in life, in general. I mean, we're talking about buying your first house. I mean, these are, you know, these are contracts that you have to know and you have to understand as a homeowner, just as a person that's going to be going and entering into any kind of a long-term contract. So Fire Nation, great lesson learned in the first section here. And Doug, we're going to move over to the other end of the spectrum now. And again, another story. And you took us to that time that you were 15 years old. Like I felt that I was with you at some of those parties. And that's the kind of story level that I want you to take us to with this next one, which is an aha moment that you, Doug Goldstein, have had at some point in your journey. So Take us to that aha moment. Take us to that moment in time that you had that epiphany, that light bulb that went off. And then let's kind of walk forward, Doug, and, you know, explain how you turned that idea into success.
1: So let's go back about five, six years, so we don't need to have the fuzzy screen for this one. (laughs) And two of my kids were big chess champions, and uh, I used to sit in with their chess coach. And One of the things that you do when you are learning to become a great chess player is when you play a game, you write down the moves and then you do a post-mortem. You examine what happened to try and figure out what was good and what was bad. It's, it's a constant process of self-improvement. So I was sitting with Boris, our coach, and we were looking at a game that I had played and well, I had moved my bishop to a certain square on the board. And in retrospect, as we were analyzing it, he said to me, Doug, why didn't you move that piece? And I said, well, Boris, you know, I wanted to take, you know, this move to develop other pieces. So then we get to the next turn and he said, okay, Doug, why didn't you move your bishop this time? And then I said, well, you know, I thought it looked okay. I wasn't looking so closely at it, but I thought it was in a pretty good spot. And then the next turn, he asked me the same question. Why didn't you move it again? And I said, well, I'm hoping that, you know, it's going to turn out okay being here. (laughs) And and as I'm saying these these phrases, I heard exactly the terms that my financial client, Financial planning clients and investment clients, it's exactly what they say to me. I'll say to them, why are you holding on to the stock? And they say, well, you know, I was, I was busy working on my bond portfolio. I'll say, but you know, this stock doesn't look so good. Why are you holding on to that? And they said, well, you know, I'm hoping it's going to go up again. As you often comment, hope is not a real great <laughs> system for running a business or a portfolio. So all of a sudden, the the aha moment for me was that I could take the strategies from chess and apply them to investing every single thing. And then I began writing vigorously every time Boris would say a new concept in chess. I'd write it down and I'd say, that's exactly what I say. That's exactly what I talk about with clients. And that ultimately led, of course, to (laughs) my getting to talk to Susan Polgar. And I told her some of these things. And and together, we began researching this more and more and literally found dozens and dozens and dozens of chess strategies and tactics that, that applied to investing.
0: Well, Doug, I come from the corporate finance world. So I really find investing fascinating. And it's always been something that I've looked at from actually about 14 years old. My dad said, you know, here's $200. If you want to get in there and start trading stocks. And of course, the worst thing that could have ever happened was that my first stock made money. Doubled. And I I walked around (laughs) like, Dad, you know, if you want me to start your own mutual fund, like I'm good with that. Like we can make this happen. And of course, my second, third and fourth stock did nothing but go down until I had, I think, $13.50 left in my account. So uh, my dad would never put more money in because that was the lesson that he wanted me to learn, rightfully so. So that was a good lesson to learn at a small dollar amount, kind of like your story, Doug, at 15 years old, that yeah, it did cost you 50 bucks, which was a lot of the time. But overall, that could have saved you $50,000 down the line on a bigger deal. So... Kind of bring us to a couple of these concepts, because, you know, just again, being a finance guy, I love it. One of entrepreneurs' biggest downfalls, I do find, is that they don't have that financial history. They don't really have a, a job in the past, or they haven't taken the time to read the books or to study the right courses to really get a grasp on this. So I'd love to maybe talk for just a couple of minutes about some of these strategies that you developed through the power of chess.
1: So let me give you a few examples, but let me tell you one thing that it's, that it's not. Because when we talk to people about the book and they all go, what a great idea, chess and investing, chess players, they're always planning ahead and investors have to plan ahead. And then I say to them, listen, if that's all that we could get from the game, plan ahead, we wouldn't have had to spend five years doing the work on the book, writing hundreds and hundreds of pages. You know, you could have just put a sign up on the wall that said, plan ahead, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. (laughs) And that would have proven the same point. But what really it turns out is there's so many tactics, little specific points that make you a world champion in chess and in investing. For example, one of the things that Susan always likes to point out is that every single move you make has to have a purpose. All too often, entrepreneurs and chess players and investors... They just move around because they kind of feel like they're busy doing something. When I first started on Wall Street, my my boss then told me her story. She said, I used to sit down at night with postcards and I would open the phone book and I would just address postcards to people advertising some mutual fund or something. She said, and I thought I was doing great because I was so busy. But really, it had no purpose and there was no strategy behind it. So that's that's one of the examples that uh, we really talk about a lot in the book, which has changed the lives of so many people when they really internalize it.
0: So every move must have a purpose. To me, this really does strike home for a number of reasons because I have mentored over 40 potential and future podcasters who, you know, have come up with these great ideas. And that's one reason why I love mentoring is because you get this great feedback from people who aren't even necessarily in the industry yet. And they kind of come at it from this new angle. And I love this stuff. But a lot of times, you know, I keep hearing these things like, I'm just going to go and, and follow 50 people that's, you know, in in the Twitter world that are, you know, have similar friends to me, and I'm going to go do this and do that. And, you know, when I really kind of Press them down and say, okay, like, what is the real purpose behind what you're doing? I mean, I know that it's going to feel good to click follow, follow, follow 50 times, then maybe have three or, you know, seven of those people follow you back and see that kind of Twitter count go up. I mean, what are you really doing long term for your business here? Because we have to have a purpose. And if your purpose is to just grow this massive Twitter following to dominate and you're going to just every day write 20 tweets that are important and you want these people to be reading and watching and be clicking the links, all that stuff, it can have a purpose. But what is that purpose? And that's why I really love defining it. And Doug, before we move on, let's just go over one more because this every move must have a purpose is so critical for entrepreneurs. I'd like to pull out one more before the next point.
1: All right. The last chapter of the book, by the way, has 64. So you've got now we're down to 63. <laughs> and you, after I tell you the next one, there will be 62. I think the next one, which I'd like to really bring up, which is so important for investors, is to fix a bad investment. When you make a mistake, you've got to right away recognize the mistake and change it. You know if you're driving with GPS the, the world is so different. I don't know if you remember pre-GPS world, but you could be lost and literally be driving for an hour or two or three and not even realize you're lost. Today we have a GPS it tells you you're lost. Quick change, and instantly your path is adjusted and you know <laughs> on a long trip you're you're okay. But why don't people do that with their investment? Investing or their businesses? I I, I was I'll give you another failure because I know you you know. Yeah. Okay like the failure, but it was, it wasn't a major failure, but I was, uh, strongly encouraged to do some newspaper advertising many years for my company. I had a very successful system in one paper and the competing competing paper came to me and said, Hey, why don't you advertise with us too? So I said, okay, I'll try. So how long would you try something before you say it's just not working? So I, I just wait, waited way too long. I waited a whole year. And then I looked back and I said, well, okay. I didn't get any clients from that. What a waste, right? Why didn't I fix that bad investment after a month? And I think the answer is, is that sometimes we just get so distracted or we set something in motion and we don't look at it. And the answer is, if you have investments that you care about, you don't care about them, no big deal. But if you care about your investments, fix them when they go bad.
0: And Doug, an analogy that I love is, picture a plane that takes off from Los Angeles and is heading to New York. That plane is making millions of adjustment mid-flight. It is not just plugging in coordinates and going. It's, you know, getting bumped a little bit by the wind. is having to go to a new elevation because it's smoother air up there. All of these factors are happening. This plane is adjusting a million times throughout this flight to get t- to the destination in New York City. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, that's what we need to be doing. We need to always be checking our gauges, checking our pulse, every single day doing a recap and saying, you know, if, am, am I really still pointed towards New York City here if that's my destination and if not that's fine because it's only been one day now I can make a little tweak a little adjustment and get right back on course and that is so important and so huge and you can't be afraid to do it and like Doug said when he just went hands free for a year you know he was probably somewhere over at Greenland by the time he grabbed the <laughs> uh, the steering wheel on the plane again because he wasn't making those small adjustments and really studying what he was doing and Doug, great life lesson there, and again, you've had a lot of moments you need to be incredibly proud of, and I'm sure you are, but my question to you is, if you could pull out your proudest entrepreneurial moments, what would that be?
1: John, I have to tell you, I really like this question, and when I was thinking through what I wanted to tell you, naturally, lots and lots of ideas came up, but I was once again brought back to a speech that I heard many years ago. By a fellow named Howard Jonas, he's probably an unsung hero, but maybe when I tell you his phone number, you'll you'll recognize who he was. He founded a company called IDT, which was a telecommunications company, and in the mid-1990s, they started competing in the long-distance telecommunications business, competing against AT&T, and he somehow captured the phone number 1-800-screw-AT&T. (laughs) with that phone number he turned this company into a billion dollar company anyway so he was a brilliant businessman but what's greater about him was the speech that I heard when he stood up in front of 500 people maybe a thousand people and I got to tell you I don't remember anything from the speech except this one sentence he said my wife and I give 20% of our income to charity and then I went home that night and I said to my wife I want to be like him And we sat down, we decided, and this was a long time ago before we had quite the successful business that we have today. So this was a big deal. And we said, let's do that. And we just went through our books and every dollar that came in, 20 cents went to charity. And I have to tell you, that is what I think to me, the proudest moment for me, because I realized that... You know, I can talk about my company reaching some land, you know, milestone in terms of earnings or revenues or staff or clients, but, you know, those are arbitrary numbers. But the, the proudest thing for me is to say, listen, I have worked and I am now able to help not only my clients and to employ my staff, but there are people who I've never even met who I'm able to help in a very, very serious way. And one of the things I've noticed, because I'm, I'm in this awesome position where I basically work with people who are, are high net worth individuals is that they are huge philanthropists. And I think the reason, this is my, my theory that some economists can test one day, but I think the reason that people are able to make so much money is because they don't think of money as an end in and of itself. They think about it as what they can do with that money to help the world. And so when we started giving 20%, that, that changed our whole view of what money really meant.
0: So, Doug, there's a phrase that I love that I think applies so powerfully to you and your situation. And that phrase is from success to significance. And as entrepreneurs, you know, so many people that find that right thing, that hit that home run, that find that success. Sometimes look back and I'm like, wow, like I've got here, I've made it, and it it's great, but it feels just a little empty. And and at that point, sometimes Fire Nation, you need to say, okay, now that I've gotten to success, how can I make that next move to significance and be somebody that does give back, that makes an impact in the world above what you're already doing with your company, whatever that might be. And
1: I just want to point out an important thing about this is you don't have to wait until some arbitrary point where you've made it. If you've got food on the table. There are a billion people in the world who don't and you know, if you've covered your basics, that's the time when you can say, I'm going to start being this person and I, I can't guarantee it but I'm betting that everyone who takes this challenge to become a, a serious philanthropist and again, I'm not talking about, okay, I'll give a dollar a week into the, you know, into the charity but I'm saying this becomes part of who they are, it, it will change the, the success of their business. Karma
0: is a pretty powerful thing, Fire Nation. And Doug, let's move forward to present times, and let's talk about today, 2014. What is the one thing that has you most fired up in your business right now?
1: Well, actually, today, it's great to ask, because I have to say it's thanks to you. I'm a big <laughs> systems freak. I, I, I always love building systems. I like doing something, and then usually after I've done something once, I'll say, okay, should I be doing this? And in every case, the answer is no, because pretty much the only thing I should be doing is talking to clients and prospects. So, but I like doing stuff. It's fun. Like, that's the fun of the business. But I'll always ask myself, should I be doing this? And since the answer is going to be no, I either give it to a staff member to do, or even better, I build a system. And I've got lots of systems I'll tell you about in a minute. But one of them, which I pretty recently started, was brought up on Entrepreneur on Fire. Someone said, well, I use schedule once." which is a schedule, an online scheduling program. And I've always kind of wanted to use one, but I never quite did it. You know, I, when I wanted to speak to clients, I would call them, and then they wouldn't be there, and then they weren't free to talk. And there was this huge waste of time. And I'm not the kind of guy to call my secretary and say, Sandy, get Mr. Jones on the phone. You know, I, just, that's <laughs> not my, I can't see myself doing that, right? I'm, I'm not that that's guy. That's so mad, man. Go ahead. So I, I call, you know, but then I realized it was a waste of everyone's time. So all of a sudden I just, I signed up for schedule once and I, I sent out a a form letter to 20 people that I wanted to talk to. And I just watched like within an hour, all of a sudden the schedule filled up and it was more than uh, I was a little blown away. Oh my gosh, I have to speak to all of these people one after the other, (laughs) but it was so super efficient. John, I have to thank you because this I picked up from your show and I was inspired by as, as a Fire Nation member to try this and boy, did it change everything.
0: No, Doug, I love hearing that. It's the biggest game changer in my business too. And that's why, you know, I set out on a mission to find the best scheduling tool out there. And I've even tried to contact the uh the, the creator of this company and say, how can I like just invest in your business because it's amazing. And he's still a private company. But if he ever goes public, I'm in. And it's it just so powerful where, you know, just like you, Doug, I was having to email busy just, you know, very bandwidth limited entrepreneurs, you know, for a show that was seven days a week. It was all this back and forth and there was ever a cancellation. It was a whole thing. And, you know, after about a month, and this is back in 2012, I said there has to be a better way. Schedule Once Fire Nation is that better way. It is incredibly simple. I now send one email out to, for instance, Doug, and it says, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. Here's a link. Go ahead and schedule a time if there's one that works for you. And Doug goes ahead and does so. There's you know, a place to enter his Skype information, his 50-word bio. It's all right there. It sends automatic reminders out that you can schedule. I mean, it's just the whole shebang. And it's me sending one email instead of 10, 20 before. And it's just so incredible. And Doug, we are about to enter the lightning round. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Isn't it awesome finding a business partner who you know you can trust to always be there when you need them? This is especially true when it comes to one of the most valuable assets, our finances. Introducing the online accounting software and platform for your small business, Zero. That's X-E-R-O. R O. Zero was born in the cloud so it's there for you anytime, anywhere. Whether you're a Mac, a PC, an iOS, or Android device, Xero is right there with you. Plus, they're perfect for any small business whether you're brick or mortar or online. Zero also seems integrates with over 350 best in class business tools to process mobile payments, manage payroll, run your back office and even help you with cash flow management, something everyone needs. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com/podcast. That's x slash r o.com/podcast. Special bonus, Zero will randomly select 5 people per month who sign up for a trial to receive a mystery box of goodies from a business that already swears by Zero. If you're wondering how your small business can stand out in today's increasingly competitive marketplace, I've got one word for you. Branding. While building a brand may be easier and more affordable than you imagined, it still does require some time and money. So why is it worth the effort? Because it allows you to stand out. When customers have several choices, branding helps them make a decision. Your brand should highlight your unique virtues and let customers know what they can expect from your small business. In a business climate where the internet, social media, and technology create a lot of status, it's crucial to develop a clear brand voice to cut through all the noise. Building a brand is a really exciting process, so get pumped up about it. Whether you need a logo to launch your brand, a t-shirt to show it off, or a website to bring it all online, 99designs is a great place to build your brand. Visit 99designs.com fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. That's 99designs.com fire. Doug Welcome to the lightning round where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Absolutely. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Pretty much. I had to wait for my voice to change so people would know that I was a man and not a woman <laughs> when I called it. It never really occurred to me, John, to work for someone else. The, the, the concept of, of having, I tried a couple of times when I was young, but it, it, that wasn't for me.
0: wasn't for you. What is the best advice, Doug, you've ever received?
1: You know, there's a story behind this. When I was uh, a little younger, I invested about $5,000 into a high-tech business. And I thought I was very involved and I felt pretty cool I was investing. Not only that, I found out that there was another major investor who put a million dollars into it and he had a seat on the board. So I was sure that everything would be okay. And I was telling a lawyer friend of mine about it, one of these big New York fancy lawyers, and he looked at me as I was the most naive person in the world. And he said, the other guy put a million dollars in? I said, yeah, yeah. So And he's on the board. So he surely has my interests in mind. He said, Doug, you never know what the other guy's interests are. How do you know that he d- didn't invest $100 million into the competitor and he only put a million dollars here so he'd have a seat on the board to bring this company down? And all of a sudden, like the light bulb went on and I realized you always need to understand the motives of everyone around you, everyone with whom you're working, because if you don't know what they're looking for, you're just going to be wiped out. Wow. Good
0: story. Share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your
1: success. Every day I plan the day. I come in in the morning. I do a brain dump of everything I need to do. I prioritize, so I'm doing the most important things first. You know, you can people always talk about time management, but you can't manage time, but you can manage your priorities. And then I simply do the most important things first.
0: Love it. Do you have an internet resource, Doug, like an Evernote, like a schedule once that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: Because I have a pretty large team and I do a lot of outsourcing overseas, so I've got people all over the world, I need to keep it all coordinated, and we do that with Asana.
0: Love Asana, and it's free, Fire Nation. And if you want to find out the links to Asana and so much more, just go to eofire.com. Type Doug in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up. And Doug, if you can just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and
1: Why? John, the one that I'd like to say is actually a real niche. I'm going to niche down in the book. And so so much so that I'm going to recommend that people read chapter three of Rich as a King, because it starts with a quote. Can I tell you that quote? Would love it. Okay. The quote comes from a, a grandmaster of chess of by grandmaster Alexander Kotov, and he said, It is better to follow out a plan consistently, even if it isn't the best one. Than to play without a plan at all. The worst thing to do is to wander about aimlessly, and I bet you know as well as I do that entrepreneurs tend to sometimes get a little bit too hyperactive, (laughs) and they get so involved in their business they don't plan their personal finances separate from their business. And this one chapter in the book, Chapter Three from Riches the King, is all about that.
0: I call it the weapons of mass distraction, Doug. They are everywhere. <laughs> they will take you down, Fire Nation. So chapter three, Rich is a King, how the wisdom of chess can make you a grandmaster of investing. In Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Doug, have you turned Rich is a King into an audiobook?
1: We are working on it now.
0: All right.
1: It's not available at the moment, but it turns out it's a very long process to make a high quality audiobook.
0: It truly is. And Doug, this next question is the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: I think that I would start a podcast called something like Strategic Success Stories. And I would interview people like you, John. In fact, by the way, I need to thank you because I, I did this. I set up for the, for Rich as a King. We set up a podcast called Rich as a King. I guess we, we were trying to keep a real brand consistency. <laughs> nice. And we just hit new and noteworthy on All iTunes right. because of your methods. Love it, Doug. So I, I would do that. And I, through the podcast, I would do just like a... This is my second podcast, Rich as a King, I, another one I've been doing for about five years. We've interviewed, I've probably interviewed almost every living Nobel Prize winner in economics. And in fact, Michael Spence, one of them, endorsed Rich as a King for us. And I've interviewed the greatest authors out there, My like who you've had on your show also, Brian Tracy, who I love and was also kind enough to endorse the book. I've met such fabulous people. We've had so many downloads of these awesome interviews that I've just had the opportunity to meet all these great people. And I don't know exactly what the business is going to be, but I do know that by meeting and networking and helping people to share their story and sharing those stories with people who want to hear it, that's going to be the path to success.
0: I mean, Doug, isn't it amazing that even like 20 years ago, you'd have just had to carry on your life just admiring these people from afar because, you know, that's just not super easy to reach out and just have this one on one conversation. I mean, these people have a lot of bandwidth is being tapped into, but because you have a show, because you have an audience, because you created your podcast, you now have access to this. Wealth of these people that you admire, that you want to talk to, that you want to share their message with now your growing audience. I mean, how cool is that?
1: It is awesome. <laughs> so, Doug,
0: let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye.
1: So, I want to tell you something that my grandmother told me that she used to quote Rabbi Hillel, who was 2,000 years ago a sage in Israel. And he said, don't judge a man until you have reached his place. And and the way that my grandmother taught this to me, is, she said, don't start talking about other people. Never speak badly about anyone. And even more so, don't listen to other people speak badly about a third person. And, And I realized that this is the greatness of so many of the people I've met, which is there's so much good out there that we can do. And there's so many positive things that we can focus on. You know, when you get involved in these conversations where someone's bashing someone else, it's all negative, whether it's in business or in life or at home. And from teaching our kids never to speak badly about someone else to dealing in my office and to not letting clients speak, you know, say things that I just think are inappropriate. I think it's critical. And again, this goes back to building yourself as a real person of character. Don't ever speak badly about others. John, I have to tell you, I prepared something special for the Fire Nation which is uh, one of the things I always like doing is I love speaking to entrepreneurs and I I put together a a webinar called How to Achieve Exponential Growth in Your Business, the three game-changing tactics, get it, game-changing? (laughs) Game-changing tactics I use to double double again, and then triple the size of my business. And it's available for people who buy a copy of our book. And special for FIRE, and you'll like the website, www.richasaking.com slash FIRE. And there, once you're Rich as a King, you can contact us. You can follow us on Twitter at Rich as a King. But go to richasaking.com slash FIRE. And I hope that you'll uh, you'll get a copy of the book. And as a gift, we're going to give this course out.
0: Wow. Fire Nation, richasaking.com slash fire. It all starts here. And Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you have been hanging out with Doug and myself today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Type Doug in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up. With his great book, the website, the gift that he has waiting for you, Fire Nation, his recommended resources, everything. And Doug, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thanks, John. See you soon.
0: Webinars are an incredible way to sell your product, grow your email list, and build an audience. Kate and I reveal our simple eight-step process on our free webinar workshop. Claim your spot today by texting WEBINAR to 38470.